All right, let's go ahead and get started. Let's all stand. Page 340. Appreciate our visitors for being here. Thank y'all for coming to Merville Baptist Church. Let's go to the Lord in prayer because I sure want to see God do something this morning. Amen. Brother John Shadburn, T-Bone Shadburn, you pray for us. Main standing page 320.
fire for Satan. Sixty-three feet. <coughs> Joy and full of glory, it's 
any offering, just bring it on down while we're fellowshipping. say amen. amen amen good to see all of you let me make a few announcements uh concerning some things coming up all the choir the adult choir has practiced right after morning service so be up here with brother terry to to practice this morning also there's gonna we've we've got we started our kids church back this past wednesday night which means that miss sue's kitchen is in full bloom again and I'm so thankful, boy, those little sliders that she had this past Wednesday night were tremendous. Me and Miss Debbie feasted on them, took some home and feasted on them Thursday and Friday also. And they, they're good, Miss Sue. I thank you and Melinda for your heart and your hard work uh, to do all of that. Um, we, Brother Mike let me know that they've got a new name for our kids, our youth program. It's Crusaders for Christ. So whenever you refer to any of these little youngins running around here, they're crusaders for Christ. They're not kids. They're not youngins. They're not brats. They're not any of that stuff. They're crusaders for Christ. So be sure to refer to them like that. Also, uh, there's going to be a ladies' meeting in the Fellowship Hall on September the 10th at 10 o'clock in the morning. And be our first ladies' uh, meeting, Sister Teresa Bennett is our now new director over that and looking forward to what the Lord's going to do through all of that. And remember this, that tonight, this is a surprise, so don't tell Brother John this, but tonight after night service, having a, a, a birthday celebration, bring, hit, bring, bring hither food and drink. I, I thought that's what it said. Joe, yes, yes. I turned 69 this past Friday, 69, and uh, it's, it's been glorious. I got, a little, I got a little joke to tell you. This preacher was preaching in a big way and preaching some things that were pretty hard-hitting, and a lady got mad at him. She stormed up front, and she said, I'm going to tell you something. If I was married to you, I'd feed you strychnine. Preacher didn't miss the lick. He said, I'm going to tell you this. If I was married to you, I'd drink it. 
chapter 3, the gospel according to John chapter number 3, and then pick up 2 Corinthians 13, John chapter 3, then 2 Corinthians 13 this morning, been, uh, been burdened about this message all this week, it seemed like the Lord just spoke my heart early this past week, uh, along these lines and been meditating on it and pray that God would use it the way he sees fit this morning. And uh, going to be preaching a message. I'll go ahead and give you the title of it. And uh, I'm going to call this The Birthmarks of the Born Again. The Birthmarks of the Born Again. John chapter 3 and then 2 Corinthians chapter 13. If you'll stand when you found those two places in Scripture. I was, uh, I was blessed a little while back when uh, Asher and Griffin both quoted John chapter 3 verse 16 and 17 for me. And you ought to see Griffin quote John three sixteen and 17. He animates it while he's quoting it, and it is quite the sight to see. And uh, they're, they're both crusaders for Christ. Amen. <laughs> John chapter 3, a very familiar passage of Scripture. We'll begin in verse number 1 and read a few verses, skip around, and lead up to a thought. Then we'll look over in 2 Corinthians chapter number 13. John chapter number 3, it says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. Oh, by the way, I'm working on a new message or a new, new song. Let me say it that way. We've, we've sang that song, Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow. I'm going to make up a new stanza to go with that. Because He Lives, I Can Face a Congregation. <laughs> Y'all ought to see what I'm looking at. Amen. <laughs> 
John chapter 3 this morning, John 3, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And Jesus answered, said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. The, that's the water birth. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit, the spirit birth. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh. And whither it goeth, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How, how can these things be? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou master in Israel, and knowest not these things? Look down in verse number 14. He'll answer his question for him. He said, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be, everybody say that last word, say, say. Second Corinthians chapter 13, um, Paul has spent a lot of time with this church. The church at Corinth was a messed up bunch of people. They had a lot of heresies in it, had a lot of misteachings, had a lot of things going on in it, had a lot of divisions, a lot of carnality. And, but Paul loved them and spent a lot of time with them. And in closing out his last epistle to them, he writes these words to them at Corinth. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, just one verse of scripture, he says this, verse number five, examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith, Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates? It's strange to me that Paul would end this writing with these thoughts, these parting thoughts on look at your own self. Examine your own self. If any of y'all have gone to a doctor lately, you know that doctors don't doctor anymore. They don't examine you anymore. You go in and tell them what's wrong with you and then they just refer you to a specialist and tell them take it from there. Kind of get a witness right there. <clears throat> but Paul says, listen, here's what you need to do. Instead of examining everybody else around you, I can look at Warren, Terry, I can look at Dale, I can look at those on this side and I can judge you, but that's not the important thing. He says, examine your own selves. Look at yourself. And then he goes on to say, whether ye be in the faith. Look at yourself and you ask, answer this question for yourself. Are you saved? Are you a child of God? Have you been born again? He says, know ye not your own selves. Have that Jesus Christ, look at it, is in you. Except ye be reprobates. I want to preach this thought this morning on the birthmarks of the born again. I'm going to give a couple of illustrations to begin with. And then we'll bring your eye thoughts for the morning. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Fathers, we come before you this morning. Lord, I'm so thankful, Lord, that we can pray and seek the face of God. Lord, I need you this morning. If ever I've needed you, I need you right now, Lord. 
And Lord, you know my physical being. You know, Lord, where I stand this morning mentally and spiritually. But I'm asking God that, Lord, you'd overcome every bit of that. And Lord, just touch me with the touch of God. And please give me the liberty of the Spirit of God to be able to preach in the power and demonstration of that same Spirit. God, may you help me this morning, but Lord, help not just me, help every person in this room. And I pray to God, you please move and please touch and please minister as only you can. And we're thankful for everything that you'll accomplish. For we ask it in the precious name of Jesus Christ and all of God's people said, you can be seated this morning. When the Lord was approached by Nicodemus late one night, Nicodemus was a ruler, a Pharisee of the Jews. He knew the law. He knew the book. He knew it inside and out. He was a, he was a teacher himself. And he came up to Jesus, and as I read it, he just kind of wanted to put it on Jesus and just kind of compliment, over-compliment him, so to speak, and really just put it on him. Jesus was not impressed with his way that he came to him. He just looked at him. He said, Nicodemus, I got something I need to tell you. You, the Pharisee, you, the law abider, you, the one who is in touch with God, you must be born again. The Lord went on and told him some things about spiritual things, some fleshly things. He said, you've got to be born of the water, which is the fleshly birth. You've also got to be born of the spirit the second time, that second birth. And it intrigued Nicodemus. It, it just, it captured his thoughts. And he said, well, Lord, how can these things be? Have I got to go back in my mother's womb again and be born again? And Jesus looked at him and said, Nicodemus, I'm, I'm surprised at you. You're a ruler in Israel and you don't know these things. And then Jesus looked at him and he said, if I try to explain heavenly things to you, and I've, I've already told you earthly things, how are you going to believe if you don't even believe the things I've told you of the earth? But then Jesus told him the truth of the matter, and he said, listen, one day I'm going to be lifted up from this earth, and I'm going to die for the sins of the world. And he said, as Moses was lifted up in the, in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And then he told him the most precious most quoted verses that's ever been written by man, John 3, 16. I guess there's not a funeral home that has not used that one verse at a, at a, in a bulletin or, or whatever they call those things at the nursing homes. There's not been a, a church, there's not been anywhere in this world that that one verse of Scripture has not been quoted, preached upon, written about, a song about John three sixteen, For God so loved the world, that's you, that He gave His only begotten Son, that's Jesus Christ, that whosoever, that includes you, would believe in Him should not perish. You won't go to hell, but you'll have eternal glory to God life. Amen. Oh, what a verse of Scripture. That is the gospel in one verse of scripture. And it has this, what Jesus told Nicodemus so intrigued him that, that Nicodemus sat there and listened to him talk about the new birth. I'm glad that there is another birth. I was messed up at my first birth. I, I came into this world wrong. I was wrong for a long time until Jesus. I was without hope till Jesus stepped in. Hey, <laughs> Amen, and I'm so glad that Jesus did step into my life and change my life. Well, in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 5, Paul leaves parts with that church and he says, Listen, there's something I want you to do. I've got to leave you, I've got to go away, but there's something you must do. I want you to examine yourself. I want you to prove your own self and make sure that you are saved. Make sure that you are born again. Make sure that you uh, know that you know that you know that you're saved by the grace of God. Well, that, that statement, it puts forth this question, how can a person know? Are there birthmarks that we can 
certainly know that we're saved and born of the Spirit of God. Are there certain things that we can be assured of that that means that you're saved? Well, some would say, well, I believe you can know that you're saved if you've been baptized. That's that's not the issue. That's, that don't account into any of this. Some would say, well, I, I believe you can know you're saved if you're a, a member of a certain church. That's not part of the equation. Some would even say, I believe you can know that you're saved if you speak in tongues. That is not a Bible doctrine whatsoever. That does not play in the equation. But the Bible does tell us that there are certain birthmarks that a person can look at in their own lives and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're saved. Now, it's not a goosebump. It's not a feeling. It's not some seeing a cross in the sky. It's not anything like that. But there are certain things that we can look at in our own lives and know that we're saved. I was, uh, my birthday was Friday and I didn't realize that I've, I've not been on Facebook in a long time. And my wife told me, she said, John, you ought to look at Facebook. There's been a lot of people comment and wish you a birthday wishes. And so I went on there and I looked at my, my page and I was amazed at how many and a lot of you, and I thank you for all the birthday wishes. It means a lot to me, and I appreciate it from the depths of my heart. But when I got done looking at all of them and, and liking them, and you know how you do on Facebook, I went back to my feeds, and there was a, a, a video that came up. And I was telling Debbie about it this morning. And on that, that feed, that video, there was a a big guy, he was a huge guy, and he was dressed in overalls and a white undershirt and uh, had a cap on, and he, was, and he had ridden, he was riding, he was a farmer, and, and he had a bunch of land, and he was riding his land after a storm. It was a bad storm, he said, that came through their way, and he was riding his land, just checking things out, and he came up on a huge, massive tree that had fallen over. And he got off the cart that he was on. His daughter, I, I suppose it was his daughter, was uh, filming him as he talked. And he said, I just want to give you some thoughts from the farm. And he walked over there to that huge tree that had fallen down. And he, he, said, he said, look at this tree. He said, look how massive this tree is. And he walked up to it, and as I said, he was a huge fella himself, and he walked up to it, and the tree, the, the tree trunk just towered over him. It was so huge. And uh, he said, of all these trees in this field, he said, this one massive, huge tree fell, and none of the others did. And he said, then I got to looking at something. He walked around to the root, the trunk of the tree, the base of the tree, and it had upended. And he said, I want you to look at something. And, he, and his daughter, whoever was filming, uh, moved the camera in. He said, I want you to look at something about this tree. And he pointed up under there, up under the, the base of that tree, and he said, look there. And he said, that tree is hollow. He said, it is empty. It has nothing in it. And he said, that is why that tree fell. It had nothing in it. It, had, it was empty. There was nothing inside of that tree that gave it substance, that gave it its root system, that gave it what it needed to survive the storm. Then he said this, this was his devotional thought. He said, no matter how big you think you might be, no matter how great you think your life might be, if you're empty without Jesus Christ, if you're empty without Jesus being on the inside of you, you will fall one day. I thought, my Lord, my Lord, what a, what a devotional, what an illustration of a person who is empty without Christ. I'm so glad that when a person gets saved, he don't just pronounce salvation over you, but he comes on the inside of your life. He moves in. And when Jesus Christ moves in, can I say this? There's going to be some things that'll be different about your life. There'll be some marks in your 
your life that will eternally affect you and you will know that you know that you know that you're saved by the grace of God. Amen. Uh, I've had people ask me before uh, dealing with them about being saved. They'll say, well, Brother John, how will I know? And I don't know any other way to answer them other than this way. You'll know. When a person gets saved, they'll know. I remember my mama, uh, when I first got saved, I called my mama. And I told my mama, I said, Mom, I said, I got some good news for you. She said, what is it? I said, I got saved. I thought my mama would shout. I thought my mama would say amen. I thought my mama would say praise the Lord. My mama didn't say anything like, you know what my mama said? She said, well, we'll see. We'll see. And you know what? If somebody really is saved, we'll see. You'll see. You'll know. There'll be something that, that'll happen in your life when God Almighty, the creator of the entire universe that spoke everything into it, when he moves into a life, there will be a difference in that person's life. Can I get a witness right there? Well, I want you to come to 2 Corinthians this morning, chapter 5. I want to give you from the scripture this morning some birthmarks of the born again. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want you to notice these things with me this morning as we go through them from the scripture. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the word of God says this in verse number 17. He says, therefore, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Can I say this? Number one, if a person truly is saved, there will be a change in their life. They won't be able to come down to an altar. They won't be able to kneel by a chair. They won't be able to just go through the motions and leave the same way that they walked in. There will be a difference made in their life and it'll start the moment they get saved and it'll last their entire life time. Can I say it like this? When you get saved, you'll know it. Everybody else around you will know that you're saved because there's going to be a change made in your life. There'll be some old things pass away and behold, everything will become new. You know, when Jesus was on earth, he went about doing good. The word of God says, and he did a lot of miracles he did a lot of physical miracles. He healed the lame. He, he healed the, those who were blind. He healed those who couldn't talk. He healed the lame person that couldn't walk and they walked. He ra even raised the dead. And that was all well and good that he did those physical things. But those physical things are just a picture of what actually happens to a person when they get saved by the grace of God. Did you realize before we got saved, we were spiritually blind we couldn't see we couldn't see God we couldn't see the things of God and Jesus even said it he said if unless you're born again you will not be able to see the kingdom of God but thank God when a person is saved they'll start looking at things through different eyes they'll look at things through spiritual eyes and thank God when we get saved our sight changes not only does our sight change, our walk could change. He healed the lame. We were spiritually lame before we couldn't walk the walk. That man told me, uh, I was dealing with a man one time and he said, listen, I don't think I can live it. I said, you can't live it until Jesus moves in. You, there ain't no way that a lost person can live the Christian life. Can I get a witness right there? They, but one person can live the Christian life and it's Jesus Christ living on the inside of every believer. That's why he, he saved us. That's why it's by grace. That's why it's called the new birth because Jesus moves in. It's like Sister Margaret had to have a liver transplant. Her liver went bad. She had to have a liver transplant. And guess what? A person who's lost, they need a liver transplant. They need a new liver to come on the inside and live for them. Amen. And until we're saved, we cannot live the Christian life. Only Jesus can do that in our lives. Amen. We were spiritually blind. We were spiritually lame. We were spiritual lepers. We were spiritual dead. We're, we're just spiritually wrong until Jesus saves us by His good grace. 
There'll be things that are change in your life. There's a, there's a new doctrine going around, and it's a half-truth. And they say it like this, that Jesus will accept you just the way you are, and he will. Can I get a witness right there? And thank God he does. You can't clean yourself up good enough to get saved. You can't, you can't do it right enough for God to accept you. You come just like you are. At every Billy Graham crusade, he, they would sing that song, Just As I Am, with that one plea. And thank God we can come to him just like we are. But the damnable part of that, that new doctrine is that you can stay the way that you are for the rest of your Christian life. No, you can't. I'm going to say it twice. No, you can't. You're not going to stay the same as you were before you got saved. There's going to be a difference made by God Almighty in a person's life. They can say, well, you can, you can come down drunk and get saved and go back and keep continue drinking. No, you can't. God's going to deal with you about it. God's going to give you victory. God's going to clean that mess up in your life. They say, well, you can come down and as an adulterer and just uh, commit adultery and continue committing adultery after you. No, you can't. God's going to deal with God's going to change that they say well you can come down as a homosexual and get saved and I believe homosexuals get saved but they say this and you can just live the homosexual life as no you can't God's going to change that in your life there's going to be a change made in a person's life when they get saved my phone something's talking to me again it might be the Lord y'all hang on amen there's going to be a change made when somebody gets saved. Can I get a witness? Aren't you thankful for that? I'm glad he don't leave us the way he found us. He loves us too much to leave us the way he found us. Glory to God. Not only that, not only will there be a change made. Look in 1 John chapter 3. Keep your Bibles open because we want to look at these things from the Word of God. In 1 John chapter 3, I want you to look at this. Not only will there be a change made, there'll be a consuming love for the brethren. In 1 John chapter 3, verse number 14, he says, We know, we know, we know that we have passed from death, spiritually dead, unto life, spiritual life, because, how's that? We love the brethren. <laughs> and I'll explain more about that in just a minute. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Who, whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And, we, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Number two, there'll be a consuming love for the brethren if you're truly born again. Before I got saved, I didn't like preachers. I didn't like church. I didn't like nothing that, that God was affiliated with. I didn't want to be around church. Didn't want to be around preachers. And uh, I'd, a preacher would come up to me and try to witness to me. And I'd, I'd be mean to them just to try to get them to go on. That was just my old Adamic nature. But once I got saved, once I got saved, I found a new group of people to be around. That old crowd didn't interest me anymore. But God's crowd was the ones that interested me. You know what? I, I'm really suspicious of anyone who says that they're saved and they love to hang around the sinners of this world more than they do the God's people. I'm really suspicious of anyone who would say, I just, I'm saved. Yes, I'm saved. I know I'm saved. But they'd rather hang around those who are doing wrong doing sin out there more than they would God's people. Can I get a witness right there? I'm going to tell you what, whenever you get saved, there's going to, your love is going to change on the inside of you. You're going to love the things of God. You're going to love His Bible. You're going to love prayer. You're going to love His people. And I've got to admit this. Some of y'all are hard to love. <laughs> yeah. No, y'all the easiest bunch to love there's ever been. <laughs> a fella, a little family had a little girl. And she was about five, six years old. And 
about that time they had another little child and it was a little boy. And they finally brought that little boy home and, and set the little girl, the little sister on the couch, you know, and put that little baby brother in her lap. And she held that little baby brother for a while. And after a little while, they said, well, how do you like your new brother? She said, well, I like him fine, but his head's on loose. I like y'all fine, but some of y'all's head's on loose. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's, I, I have to admit, I don't love God like I should all the time. I don't love my wife like I should all the time. I don't love the brethren like I should all the time. But whenever, whenever I hear or read about the love of God and how I'm supposed to love people, it makes me get down and say, well, Lord, help me to love you the way I should. Help me to love my wife the way I should. Lord, teach me to love the brethren like I should. Lord, do something to my love on the inside and show me how to love each other like I should. There'll be a consuming love for the brethren. Listen to these verses as I read them to you about the love of God. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. That means because I love God and because I, God loves me, I'm going to love you because God also loves you. Plain and simple. <laughs> I can tell this is convicting some of y'all. In 1 John chapter 4, we read this. We love him. Because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him that we, he who loveth God, love his brother also. In John chapter 13, verse 35, Jesus said these words, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. You know what we need a revival of in the church today? The love of God. We, love, we need the people of God to begin loving like God wants us to again and loving each other like God would have us to love each other. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 9, he said, But as touching brotherly love, ye have no need that I write unto you. For ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. If we're saved, God teaches us how to love one another. Not only... Will there be a change in life and a consuming love for, for the brethren? In 1 John chapter 4, verse number 13, look at this. These things of our, 1 John chapter 4, verse number 13. Hereby know we that we dwell in Him and He in us, because He had given us of His Spirit. I want to say number three, another birthmark of the born again, is that the Comforter will be on the inside. Every one of us, every one of God's people go through things. We face things. We, we get hit hard in life. There's things in life that's just going to hit us hard. But aren't you glad for the comforter on the inside to comfort your heart when you do go through those things? Every one of us knows what it is to, to go through difficulties, to cry tears at night when nobody else is watching. But thank God there's one right there catching every tear. Seeing everything that we go through and He's there to comfort your heart. There'll never be a time in your life when you go through things that God's not right there with you. Because He's right there inside of you going through it with you. And He will comfort your heart as you face the struggles of life. Jesus said it like this, and I will pray the Father. And He will give you another comforter. That he may abide with you forever. Every child of God has the comforter on the inside of them. There'll be times when you go through your Christian walk that you cannot talk to somebody else. You cannot tell your mom or your dad. You can't tell your wife or your husband. But there's one on the inside that you can talk to. And he knows everything that you're facing. And he's there to comfort your heart. There'll be a change in your life if you're saved. There'll be a consuming love for God's people if you're saved. And then thirdly, there'll be the comforter inside. But I want to say this. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. 
Hebrews chapter number 12. Not only will there be these marks, there'll be this mark. And this is a forgotten, a forgotten exhortation, a forgotten mark. In Hebrews chapter number 12, and verse number 5, it says, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Watch this. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Let's read on. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. I didn't write these words. God did. And one of the marks of a child of God is there will be chastisement in our lives. If God's, if God's chastising one of His children and it's because of some sin in their life, I promise you this, you'll know what God's speaking to you about. You'll know. God will be dealing with you about it. And the Bible does say in 1 John, if we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar. Why? Because He's dealing with us about it. When we came to God, we came to Him because we had problems with sin. And I promise you this, from the day that you're saved to the day you go home, God will be dealing with you about sin in our life. Can I get a witness right there? You know what? A lot of people will say this. They'll say, well, I'm saved. I know I'm saved. But they'll keep living in sin. And then they'll try to justify that sin by having a thought maybe like this. Well, there must not be anything wrong with what I'm doing. Because God hadn't chastise me about it no there's never anything right about sin never with God there's never any right sin God will always deal with his children about sin in their life and he will chasten us why because he's mad at us never he chased chastened us because he loves us too much to leave us in our sin and thank God he does I'm glad I'm glad God don't leave us alone. I'm glad God don't just turn his back on us and let us go our wayward ways. I'm glad always that God will always turn us, seek to turn us back to him into the right ways of God. I'm glad God does not give up on us. Can I get a witness right there? There'll be chastening in your life. And then I want to say lastly, I want you to look at this out of Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. You might say, preacher, how can I tell that I really am saved? How can I know for sure that I'm saved? Look in Ephesians chapter number 2. I want you to watch this with me. Some tremendous verses of scripture. He says, verse number 8, for by grace are ye saved. He says, through faith and that, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Now watch this. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God had before ordained, that we should walk in them. Not only will there be these other marks, there will be this last work. There will be Christian works in your life. You'll want to do right. You'll want to live right. I don't like doing some of the things I do. I don't like thinking some of the things I think. Sometimes my worst enemy is not you. My worst enemy is me. I remember one time Brother J.A. Glass, sis, you come on to the piano. Brother J.A. Glass was uh, in our church preaching a, a revival Revival did break out. We had several get saved. And, and uh, Brother Jay Glass was preaching and we had to extend the meeting. God kept moving and we extended it on through the weekend, went into the very next week and kept the meeting going. I, I can't remember exactly how long the meeting was pro protracted, but we kept it going. And one day I went by to pick up J.E. from his motel room. And I was playing, a, a, that's back when we had little, those little CD tapes, not CDs, but those little cassettes, those little cassette tapes. 
And I had one of Brother J.E. preaching. And I had it in my cassette player. And I was listening to it on the way to the motel to pick Brother J.E. up. And he came to the car and he got in. I said, Brother J.E., I want you to listen to somebody preaching. I said, see if you've ever heard him before. And I turned it up and he, it was him preaching. He said, oh yeah, I know him. He's my enemy. That's my worst enemy. My worst enemy is me. I defeat my own self sometimes. I knock my own self down sometimes, but thank God. There's one on the inside of me that'll take, pick me up, dust me off, put me back on. The just man will fall seven times, but God will pick him back up, put him back on the road, and he'll keep serving the Lord. They started out, the choir started out singing this morning. My, 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 what a joy to serve Jesus. Can I say it like this? The best thing that ever happened to me was the day that God saved me. Moved into my life and began His work of changing my life forever. I've got a first birth that I don't remember a thing about. My mom lives with us and we were sitting at the table the other day. And she told me, she said, I think it was about somewhere around five something in the afternoon when you were born. She said you were eight pounds and she named the ounces. I was a, I was a big boy when I was born. A big boy. There was, I don't remember a thing about that birth. But I know I was born. I don't remember nothing about it. But here I am. But I've got a second birth I'll never get over. And I remember everything about it. I was there that night. November 20, if I ever told y'all the date, November 21st, 1982. I was a lost, miserable, empty individual. And I came to Jesus on the front porch of Morton Avenue Baptist Church. I said, Lord, would you save me? And he did. He did. He did exactly what he promised in his word he would do. And since that day, I've, I've looked at my life at times. Have any of you ever wondered, are you really saved? Any of you ever doubted? I'm going to tell you what's happening whenever you get like that. You're looking too close at you. It ain't all about you. It's about the one on the inside of you. Is he in there? Is he in there doing what he said he would do? Is he in there changing your life? Is he in there giving, building that love for the brethren inside of you? Is he in there and can you, can you sense at times that he's chase, chastening you? He's trying to, trying to discipline you to where you don't get your life in trouble. Are there times in your life when you get maybe a little cold and then from another world on the inside, God starts building that fire again on the inside and you want to go again. Preachers get weary. Preachers get tired. And we need that same fire from God to keep going. Let's all stand this morning. Examine yourselves. Prove your own selves. Know ye not that Christ is in you except ye be reprobates? I'm so thankful there are some certain birthmarks of the born again that you can know that you know that you know that you're saved. Heads bowed, nice clothes this morning. There may be somebody here that you've been doubting.